have you ever read someone else's mail? Not on purpose. I know you're not that kind of people. Well, no, Tony, I wouldn't say that. But have you ever read someone else's mail by accident? I know I've shared this with a few of you before, but I have. It was an accident. They sent it to us. Well, they sent it to my wife. It was from the bank. It had her name on it. It said Donna Brawley. So we opened it. There was a passbook in it. There was more than a half a million dollars in the passbook. That's what I thought. We were newly married. I thought, cha-ching, I've made it. Wow. Easy street. And my wife looked at me and she goes, this is not mine. Fast dreams. Fast crash. And then we, did, we looked at it closer and we knew exactly whose it was. So we called the bank. And Donna got on the phone with the bank and said, hey, you made a mistake. You sent me a passbook and it's not mine. They said, is your name on it? Well, it is my name. Well, then it's yours. Yeah. <laughs> and then my wife, being a more godly person than I am, says, number one, no it's not, and my God would not be pleased if I kept it. Secondly, I'm a person of integrity. And thirdly, it would make Christmas and Thanksgiving very awkward because it's my husband's auntie who it belongs to. I said, we don't have to go. She goes, Greg? I said, I know, I'm teasing. And they said, well, no, it's, it was sent to you. It's, according to our records, it's yours. So how do we straighten it out? Well, you need to get her, and the two of you need to go down to the bank and straighten this out. So we called our aunt up, and Aunt Donna went with my wife, Donna, and they went and straightened it out. And so, we didn't even get a fruitcake out of it. I mean, I, I, not that that's why we did it for, but, you know, wow. The wrong mail. You might feel that way this morning as we look into God's Word that today's mail isn't for you. But it is. It may not be directly for most of you. It's kind of my mail. It's kind of the mail of the elders of the church. And people who will serve as elders, and people who have served as elders. But it's for all of us. For it tells us the call for an elder, 
what an elder is supposed to do, the elder's reward, and how we all respond to elders. And then you're going to see a golden thread that is weaved throughout this, the thread of humility. And then next week, that humility will explode on the scene for us as the key to the Christian life. For the Christian life without humility is not a Christian life at all. It is just false religious living. So let's dive in. Let's look at what it means first at the call of an elder. Here, the Peter, the apostle, lays down his apostolic robes and he speaks to you and I, and he speaks to the elders as a brother. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that's going to be revealed. I exhort. I walk alongside you. I want to encourage you. I want to call you to be with you as one of you. I'm a fellow elder. But then he goes on, he says, I'm a witness of Christ's suffering. Remember what happened when he witnessed the suffering of Christ? He became disqualified. He denied. He turned his back on. He cursed. Christ. He disowned Christ. And this is going on in his mind. I saw his suffering. I deserted him. I left him. I failed him. I cursed him. But there's hope in here. But because of the gospel, I've been forgiven. Because of the gospel, I've been healed. Because of the gospel, I am now a partaker, a participant. What you and I are, when we have been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, when we have met Christ face to face, when the Holy Spirit has regenerated us by the power of the gospel, When we partake, we're going to partake in the glory that's going to be revealed in the return of Jesus Christ. We're going to see Him come. We're going to take part in all the things that He has planned. He says that's only possible because of the Gospel. I've been changed. And I want to encourage you. I want to call you, other elders. I want to call you to a responsibility. Now there's three words we're going to come across in this passage or forms of it. They're interchangeable. I want you to know these because they really describe what 
an elder supposed to do? Elder, pastor, overseer. Now, elder carries with it the idea of age, being old. Some of us fit that better than others. Or more correctly, spiritually mature and wisdom. Those are the three things. The second one, pastor, shepherd. The idea of that is to tend the flock, and the word tend is the idea to feed. They are the feeders of the flock. They are the caretakers of the flock. They are to be the lovers of the flock. They are to be the ones who make the flock know the word of truth. That's their call. And then, there's a word called overseer. It is also translated bishop. Now, we don't go around calling us bishop. Some churches do. I, I, I thought about, you know, I could put that on my card. Bishop. Bishop Wally. I don't think so. But overseer. The main idea of an overseer is to be a guardian. You guard the flock. You guard the flock from external forces that mean to attack the flock, to hurt the flock. And you guard the flock from internal forces that are sin, sheep that are sick, hurting, and you help them get healthy. You may have to bring in discipline. You may have to help them learn how to work with other sheep. One of the struggles, one of the great struggles for a shepherd, for a bishop, for an elder is this. Knowing the difference between hurting sheep and wolves because sheep can bite and hurting sheep can hurt other sheep. So knowing the difference between a wolf that you have to drive off and a herding sheep that you have to help heal. How do you know the difference? And you don't but that's one of the challenges you have to wrestle with. And in this passage, you're going to see that pastor, elder, bishop, pastor, elder, overseer are all interchangeable. Now the church in the first century was one church in multiple locations. 
You didn't have a Baptist church, a Lutheran church, a free church, a non-denominational church. You had a church of an area. So you would have the church of Buffalo. And each church would have a couple elders or more. But normally a couple elders. But you're only talking a church of maybe 12 to 40. It's basically what you could squeeze in the house. And so you'd have 12 to 40 here, 12 to 40 here, 12 to 40 here, 12 and maybe you had 10 or 15 churches in Buffalo. And all the elders came together. Maybe one or two elders floated between a few of the churches, but they all were together. Now multiple elders form safeguards, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, but let's look at what they were to do. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples. It would be great for you if you have the book or want to download it from Amazon. There's a wonderful book by W. Philip Keller. It's called A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm. Amazing book. Encourage you to read it. But in his book, Keller says this, it's no accident that God has chosen to call us sheep. The behavior of human beings and sheep are so similar. Sheep just do not have the ability to care for themselves as you might suppose. Probably more than any other domesticated animal, they require endless attention. For example, when sheep get lost, they have no ability to find their way home. They have no internal GPS. We hear stories of dogs and cats, they get lost, and their owners you know, have lost them hundreds of miles away, and over the journey they find their way home. Sheep will never do that. When they're lost, they're lost. Also, they don't know what's good for them. So they'll eat the wrong stuff if not watched. Many animals, when you take them out to a field, they'll eat here, they'll eat here, they'll eat here, because they know right here, whatever that plant is, it's bad, it will keep, kill them. But a sheep will just keep eating and it will eat the bad stuff and die. It doesn't know. Not only that, they will overfeed their field. They will just keep eating it. They have no ability to know when it's time to move on. They're unable to clean themselves, and their wool has lanolin and attracts dirt, and they have to have their coats trimmed just so they can live. They have no defenses against predators. In fact, the only thing they're good at herding is other sheep. So Jesus calls elders to shepherd the disoriented, confused, unclean, self-destructive, spiritually lost crowd. He says to the elders, feed them, lead them, protect them. Perhaps where it says shepherd the flock of God, it says tend. As I pointed out a moment ago, that should be or could be translated feed the flock. 
wonder. Do you remember after the resurrection? Do you remember when Peter, after seeing Jesus, says, I've had it. Let's just go fishing. I've had it. And so he goes fishing. How much did he catch? Zip. Until a guy on the shore says what? Hey, 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 I know you've been fishing all night, but throw it on that side of the boat. Okay. He throws it in. Catches more fish than he's ever caught in his life. And his buddy John tags on his robe and goes, <laughs> I think that's Jesus. Swan dives in, swims, gets to the shore, and Jesus got breakfast waiting for him. Man. And then Jesus says, Hey, Peter, we got to take a walk. We're taking a walk. Hey, Peter. You love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, you love me? Feed my lambs. Peter, you like me? Feed my sheep. I think that so indwelt his heart that the Holy Spirit brings it back here. Guys, what Jesus told me, I'm telling you. Feed them. Feed them. Why? Because they're not going to know the, the right things to eat. Feed them what? The Word of God. Not the opinions of men. Where else in Scripture it's called empty philosophy but give them the meat of the Word, give them the milk of the Word so they can grow, feed the flock. And never forget whose flock it is. Shepherd, feed the flock of God. <coughs> Folks, I love this flock. I love you. Don't ever forget that. But you're not mine. You're His. You're just on loan to me. And I got to answer to Him. The elders have to answer to, to Him. Because you belong to Him. You're His flock. And any pastor, any elder, any shepherd who starts going, no, 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 they're mine, is on dangerous ground. Because I serve a God who doesn't share what belongs to Him. You're His. But he says, shepherd the flock that is among you. That literally means that I've entrusted to your care. 
these people that I've put in your care. Teach them fearlessly and faithfully. Teach them the truth of the Scriptures. Teach them as to a believer first. It's always to call the follower of Christ first to a gospel-centric living, a call to lives to lift up the glory of God. So, flock, are you glorified? Exercise oversight. This is one of those key words. This is that bishop word. It is the guardian word. It is the managing the flock. Protect the flock. Protect them from false teaching. Protect them from wolves. Protect them from each other. It's hard today with the internet as so many so-called Christian authors peddle their wares and they market spiritual Twinkies to the church. Some stuff is even worse and gives the church a false Christ to follow. A Christ of man's own making, neatly packaged and targeted for your heart, for your emotions. And then we have that challenge I mentioned earlier of trying to figure out the difference between wolves and sheep. And helping and prayerfully understanding what's what. And helping our flock deal with sin. Helping them deal with brokenness. Friends, that's why membership is so important. You see, without membership, you're on the periphery. When you become a member, you're saying, I want the elders to have access to my life. To be able to come in and challenge and nurture. I want to be under the spiritual protection and under the authority of. I want to be under their guardianship. But notice the writer here talks about the elder not under compulsion. It's not just a job. It's not whether they volunteer as most of our elders do or are paid like myself. We do it because, not because there's no one else but it's a heart eager to serve God. It's a heart that says, I want to be used by God. I don't want to be used for myself. I want to be used for God's purposes. Notice it says, not for shameful gain. The primary idea here is money. It's not to control people for the sake of money. It's not wrong to serve and have your needs met, but what it's talking about is taking advantage of the congregation. It's talking about doing something terribly wrong. Early in my ministry, I remember being in a town with a pastor, and this pastor loved taking advantage of his congregation. Every week, he would go down to the barber shop and have his hair cut. 
in his very, very expensive suits. He bragged about how whatever he said was law in his church. They decided to do a building campaign. They decided to raise money, and they raised an enormous amount of money for a church of about our size. It was just phenomenal how much money they brought in. And right before they were to build, he stood up in front of the church and he said, friends, we're not going to be able to build yet. I uh, have to confess, I, uh, I took the money and uh, had some bills and I wanted to buy some property and and I forget all the stuff he spent it on, but he spent it completely on himself. And he goes, so, sorry about that. So I guess we'll have to start the fundraising all over again. And guess what? They did. They didn't punish him. They didn't say, whoa, 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 time out, pastor. Um, you just disqualified yourself. I know if Peter was alive, Peter would have walked down the aisle, grabbed him by the ear and said, young man, we're going to the woodshed. We're going to have a little talk. I know if I tried that here, not only would the elders be lined up, but there'd be a bunch of you lined up. And rightfully so. Rightfully so. So, because that's using the flock for shameful gain. That's misusing the people. Peter says you don't do that. Elders don't play that game if they're a real elder. In fact, I want to share with you I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. I've asked that I have no signing abilities in this church. I can't sign for anything, except maybe a pizza. If I pay for it. Okay? I'm given a, a, a credit card with a $1,200 limit. that I have to justify every month. Otherwise, Heather and Dan Rodelius come after me. And they have the ability to cancel it at any time. Period. That's the limit of my ability. And I want it that way. When it comes to things like raises, I have input on what the staff raises are. I have no input on mine. Zero. Never asked for one, not going to. Why? Because it's not about the money. We're not to misuse the, ch the flock. And guess what? We have a staff who feels the same way. Elders also, though, it says, 
but e- nope, go back, go back. But eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Others are called to be people in authority. They have to oversee. Now remember, in the early church, it was often a home church that could have someone so enamored with their own power. In fact, in the book of 3 John, there's such a man who is mentioned there who opposes even the Apostle John. And in our days of megachurches, and as one who has met and known many of the big leaders of many churches, I have found that there is this part of the scriptural recipe that some modern pastors have ignored. There are denominating pastors who control everything or have a small crew of people who wield all the power and often they put on a show saying, we're elder-led, but if you get behind the scenes, they really aren't. They run over anyone who gets in the way. Now this is different than dealing with sin, herding sheep or wolves. This is building the kingdom for themselves in God's name. There is no humility. Now remember earlier, I said this is where the true plurality of elders comes in. In a true plurality of elders, it's a place where ideas are shared, prayed over, talked over, and worked through. It's where correction can happen and unity is strived for, but not at the sake of truth. They have to monitor the hearts of each other. They have to live by that golden thread of humility and make it part of their character. And because they are an authority, they have to correct sin. They have to deal with false doctrine. They have to walk into uh, overseeing sheep. And I, I, I appreciate our elders here. They are not yes men. There are nights I wish they were. It's normally, hey guys, I've got an idea. That's interesting. Have you thought about Have you prayed about? Could we look at it from this point of view? Have you considered? Hey, Greg, why don't we try it this way? Oh, yeah. You see, my friends, there's no one leader. It's a team of leaders. There's no one person to domineer. May I speak to you who say, hold it, I'm not in leadership, I'm just a sheep. This passage right here also speaks to you. There may come a day an elder comes to you and says, hey, have you thought about? I'm seeing this particular possibility of sin in your life or this particular false doctrine. 
And it's easy to push back at that time and say, whoa, 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 whoa. You're domineering. You're pushing it too hard on me. But I'd ask you to look at your heart. Am I being humble in this point? There's going to be a passage that talks about that in just a minute. You see, it's a dance. Elders, don't be domineering, but do your job. Flock, don't be under a domineering elder, but have humility to let them do their job. It's a beautiful dance that God has put together for us to do. And the music is humility. The elders we have and look for must be godly men who seek to serve God first. They're not to be yes men. They're to be men of the book, men of the Holy Spirit, and men called to live as examples. And if we do it right, we get a reward. Notice the next verse. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive an unfading crown of glory. Our joy will be to cast those crowns at the feet of our king and glorify him, to kneel before and say, we don't want to be shepherds. We just want to be part of your flock. And because you're the chief shepherd, we give these back to you. They're yours. now our response likewise you who are younger be subject to the elders you who are younger you picking on the young here no it's because each generation always struggles so Peter says I know you're going to struggle so put on humility in fact all of you Clothe yourself with humility. It's like putting on a shirt. Be humble to each other. Don't be proud. Don't be arrogant. And notice he says, be humble. Not nice. Don't just give hugs. Don't be Minnesota nice. Which is often just passive aggressive. He says, be humble. Why humble? I think Peter's mind went back to the upper room. When he saw his master put on a towel and go around and wash the dirty feet of his disciples. The ones that had walked through the road and had on it the stink of the road. Master, be humble to each other. Friends, we are blessed when we live with a heart of humility towards our brothers and sisters. And always remember, God is a hundred percent against the proud 
and always 100% for the humble. That's important because churches can get uppity. We can. We can think we're all that and a bag of chips. Remember a church who was searching for a for a pastor, and they just kept turning down guys right and left. And someone on the search committee, he was he, he was just getting frustrated. So he brought a resume in. Here's how it read. I understand you're looking for an elder shepherd. I'd like to apply for the position. I've been a pre- preacher with some success and a writer with some success. I'm a good organizer and a pretty good leader. I am over 50 years old. I've never preached in one place for over three years. I have been run out of town because of my preaching and teaching. I have been thrown in jail a few times, not because of doing anything wrong, just for the sake of the gospel. Uh, My health is not very good and my eyesight is bad, but I do get a lot done. The churches I've worked in are small and located in large cities. I don't always get along well with other religious leaders. In fact, I've been threatened and attacked by them. I'm I'm not good at keeping records. I even forget who I baptize. However, if you call me, I will do my best. The search committee was not amused. In fact, someone piped up, who does this person think they are wanting to serve at our church? Who do they think they are? And the guy who brought the resume said, well, it's signed the Apostle Paul. Humility. We're called to it. Whether we carry the call of an elder or the joy of being one of the Lord's sheep. Amen.